Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you here this morning and uh, welcome. Welcome to those of you who are online. Uh, my name's Barry and uh, thank you, Kristen, for um, your welcome this morning. And uh, thanks, Linda and the team and all the guys at the back uh, for your work to help bring this live stream to you and to help us worship together as a church family. Uh, how do you find healing? Where do you go? We're in this series, Encounters with Jesus, and today I want us to look at Jesus as the healer, the healer of the sick, uh, both rich and poor. These days I've found that people will go to all kinds of places to get healing, all kinds of people, and potentially all kinds of products. There are certain crystals that if you buy them and hold them in a certain way, you may get healed. People try rocks. People will go to different places. Um, sometimes we'll go to spiritual healers in order to get healed. And uh, this topic is a really interesting one because we are surrounded by hospitals. And in the room, I believe there are people who work in the medical industry, doctors and nurses and people at hospitals. I've seen my doctor this week. I've been to the chemist this week. Uh, we all have a need for healing in some kind of way. But one of the things about Jesus is, as well as being an amazing teacher, Jesus was also a powerful healer. And uh, what happens with Jesus? Whenever people encounter Jesus, whether, whether they encountered him 2,000 years ago or whether people encounter Jesus today, they are never left the same again. Jesus always brings about transformation. He brings about change in people's hearts and lives. And recently I was talking with a doctor and this doctor said to me that in his early years of training, it was really important. Once someone said to him, you know, there's a difference between curing and healing. With bringing about a cure, it deals with the immediate problem. But healing is about restoring people back into life and into community. And we see this in the ministry of Jesus, that when he healed someone, it wasn't just providing a cure and a fix for whatever their issue was, but he helped bring about for them transformation in the way that they related socially and were integrated back into the community and were able to work. And Jesus brought about transformation in all of the healings he did. Today, what we're going to do is have a look at three healings. Two from the Bible and then another one, a healing of a lady, a woman uh, who was healed in our church in recent months. And I want to share that story with you today. Um, Jesus is the healer of the sick, rich and poor. That's the topic today. How do you find healing? One of the people who wrote about Jesus was a guy called Luke. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Luke had a profession. Anyone know what it was? He was a doctor. Luke was a doctor. So doctors have been around for a few thousand years. And Luke, as a doctor, he wrote about Jesus and his ministry and often referred to some of the healings. And one of the things that it's good for us to recognize is that God has provided many ways for us as people to be healed. One of them is through doctors, hospitals, medicines. Um, that's part of the way that God has provided for our society. God has also given us the ability at the end of each day to get a sleep. And sleep is very powerful. Sleep is probably underestimated in its power to bring about healing in our mind and in our soul and in our body. And sleep is a really important part of God's restoring of our healing. How's your sleep? 
one of the things that in my own life that I've recognised is there's been times when I've been called upon to pray for people to be healed. Sometimes I've prayed those prayers and I remember in my early 20s when I was a young pastor, a young man in his early 20s, he was younger than me, but he, he's, he had a degenerative bone disease and there was no cure. And he asked myself and the elders of the church and the senior pastor at the time to pray for him for healing. And we prayed for him. We anointed him with oil, as it says in James. And God healed him. There have been other times when I've been called upon to pray for healing. And there's other times when I've prayed for people for healing and they weren't healed physically in this life. Sometimes God says yes. And sometimes God says no to our requests for healing. But before we dive into Jesus and his healings, I just want to quickly touch base on three warnings for healing, three things to watch out for. So we're starting with the warnings, all right? There are, this is a bit interesting. Three things to watch out for healings today. The first one is this, watch out for healing cynics. What's a healing cynic? A healing cynic is someone who believes that Jesus, well, they may believe that Jesus healed people 2,000 years ago, but they might not believe that Jesus, and, and that the early disciples did, but they may not believe that Jesus could heal people today or that he's got the power or that Jesus is in him alive. Some healing cynics won't even believe that Jesus or God can actually heal people. Maybe there are people watching online or maybe there are people in the room today who may err on the side of being a healing cynic. I'm not sure where you're at, but that's one to watch out for. The other one is to watch out for guilt trip healers. The guilt trip healer is the person who, uh, when you've prayed for healing and you've asked for healing or others have prayed for you for healing, the guilt trip healer will say something like, the reason you didn't get healed is because you don't have enough faith. Or the reason that you didn't get healed is because there's some sort of sin or evil in your life. And until you deal with that, you're not going to be healed. And sometimes the guilt trip healer will say, the problem is not with God, the problem is with you. And we've got to be very careful about the guilt trip healer. Because the guilt trip healer can be very manipulative. And you've got to watch out for that. The other warning I'd say, share with you today is to watch out for the over-the-top healer. There's some laughter in the room. The, uh, the over-the-top healer, one of the things that's really important that we understand, in the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus healed people, he healed from a heart of compassion, a heart that was for the other person. And when you look at the healings of Jesus and his ministry, you see that in many times Jesus would say to the person he healed, don't tell anyone about this. Oops. Don't, you know, Jesus would almost say, I don't want any attention to be on me. I want it to be on God. And Jesus, when he healed people, he didn't draw attention to himself. He always brought glory to the Father and he, and he was thankful to the Father. When Jesus, one of the things that Jesus, when he healed people, and you know, who knows if this is controversial, but Jesus did not push people over. Jesus did not have people uncontrollably fall on the ground. There's something about the ministry of Jesus where there was, it was real, it was God at work, and when Jesus healed, God got the credit. Sometimes over-the-top healers, sometimes they want the credit. And sometimes not only do they sometimes want the credit, they might want your credit, your cash, your credit card. And you've got to watch out for the over-the-top healers because often they might have expensive lifestyles 
that they want you to pay for. And the attention may be on lights, camera and action. So, how are we doing? We're off to a great start. <laughs> warnings. There are some warnings about healings that we need to understand and we need to look, look, at, look at this through the lens of the scriptures. Let's have a look. Let's dive into the healings of Je- two of the healings Jesus performed. John chapter 4 we're in today. John 4 and a little bit of John 5. Let's have a look at this first healing we're looking at today. When Jesus arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, and uh, where he had turned the water into wine. Remember the first miracle Jesus did was turning water into wine at a wedding. And uh, I love the alliteration in that. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to Jesus and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, Jesus at the time that this happens is at Cana. This is where he did the wedding. Cana is up in the hills. It's in the hills district. And he came to this rescue at a wedding. And um, Capernaum, though, is down in the valley. Capernaum is down by the Sea of Galilee. It's down by the lake. And that's uh, the difference between Capernaum, Capernaum down near the lake, down near the water, uh, and Cana up in the hills. And the distance from Capernaum to Cana is shown here on a bit of a map here. The, the, the Capernaum to Cana, the distance is about 38 kilometres. That's how far it takes. And they didn't have cars back in those days, just in case you didn't know that. But they didn't have cars back in those days. And what happens is this father from Capernaum, who's near the Sea of Galilee, near the lake, he takes the journey, 38 k's, all the way up into the hills, and uh, he, he goes. And this guy, is a, he's a well-paid worker. He's well-respected. He works for King Herod. He uh, is a royal official, and he's probably... He's probably one of the wealthiest guys around. Well-paid worker, works for the king, but he's desperate. He needs help. He's got a boy. He's got his own boy. Can you imagine what it would be like, dads? Dads, if you had your your son and, and your son was sick and ill and had a fever where he was close to death, what would you do? You'd do everything you possibly could because you love your boy to get him well. And so this father travels all this distance and he catches up with Jesus and uh, it's interesting the distance that he would travel because it's a bit like going from Gosford to Barara. Gosford's near the water. Barara is in the hills. Barara's up high. Gosford's down low near the water. And so he travels this distance and, uh, you know, these, you know it's, it's, it's a long way. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can drive it in not far, but if you had to walk it, it's a long, long way. And so... This happens and he begs Jesus to go from Cana to Capernaum. In other words, uh, he's going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, could you just go from, could you walk from Barara to Gosford to heal my boy? Could you do that? That's pretty much what he's asking. And what's fascinating is Jesus' response to this request. This is a bit surprising. Let's have a look at how Jesus responds. Jesus says, unless you people see signs and miracles... You won't believe. You will never believe, Jesus told them. 
Now, this is a really interesting response here because Jesus is being asked by this royal official to come and heal his son. But Jesus is thinking and talking to the people who are gathered around uh, hearing this exchange and he's saying something to them. And he's basically saying, you know what, you people, you expect me to do signs and wonders. And until I do signs and wonders and special things and amazing, spectacular things, until I do that, you won't believe. Your basis of belief in me is whether or not I do the amazing things. And Jesus is saying that's not how it's meant to be. You know, it seems today that sometimes people won't believe unless they can see the spectacular or see the amazing things. Or, and Jesus is saying it's not about the miracles. It's about who Jesus is. You see, Jesus is not looking for fans who will, who will, who will just admire him from a distance or fans who will think it's pretty awesome that he can do a miracle or do an amazing thing. Jesus is looking for faith-filled followers. That's what Jesus is looking for. Faith-filled followers who trust him. So let's go on to the story. In the story, it says in John 4, 49 to 54, the royal official said to Jesus in response to what Jesus said, he just said, sir, can you come down, travel down before my child dies? And Jesus says, go, your son will live. The man looks the man, I love these response. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, it was yesterday at one in the afternoon. The fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. It is interesting that the miracle did, was, the, was the thing that precipitated their belief. The miracle happened and then they believed. And then it says this was the second sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Isn't this amazing that at 1pm on that afternoon, 1pm that day, the very moment that Jesus said, go, your son will live, the boy was healed. The son was healed. And what's interesting about this, Jesus wasn't even present in the room. It was 38 kilometers away, 2,000 years ago. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus can heal people even if he's not physically present. Jesus can heal people physically even though he is not physically present, without being physically present. And he has the power to speak from a distance and for someone to be healed. And Jesus, by the way, he died. He rose again. He's alive today. And Jesus can say, at a request of ours, Jesus, would you please heal someone? And Jesus has the power. I'm not saying he will always say yes, because sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says maybe, or sometimes he says wait. But Jesus has the power to say, be healed, and a person can be healed. How amazing is our Jesus? How amazing and how awesome is our Jesus? He is so good. We're going to have a look at another miracle, and uh, let's have a look at another encounter that someone has with Jesus and the way it brings about transformation in their life. It says, later Jesus went to Jerusalem, and what happened when he goes... He goes up to Jerusalem. By the way, Jerusalem isn't near the lake, but in Jerusalem there was a pool, a swimming pool. 
It was the pool of Bethesda. It had five cupboard porches and near one of the gates of the pool. And uh, let's have a look at this, John 5, verse 3 to 5. It says, Here at this pool of Bethesda, a great number of disabled people used to lie down. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. And one of the people who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Can you imagine a council swimming pool or even maybe one of the pools that we have on one of our Sydney beaches? Can you imagine someone being there every day waiting for an angel miraculously? I don't know how this happened, but apparently this angel would come and stir up the waters. And can you imagine all these sick people lying around? It'd be, like a, be a bit like maybe the intensive care unit of a hospital or, or, the, or the really sick part of a hospital. And all these people are there just wanting to just get into that pool. And this guy can't because he's an invalid. He's paralysed. He, he just can't get into the pool. And he's been crippled, not for one year or 10 years or 20 years, or 30, but for 38 years. A lifetime. Well, it's not really a lifetime, but back in then, that was almost a lifetime. No doctors had cured him. And this man, I'd imagine, um, I'd imagine he was a beggar. I'd imagine that he was pretty poor. He didn't have a lot going for him. And what's interesting is that instead of this man approaching Jesus, Jesus approaches him. This is fascinating. Let's have a look at the story. When Jesus saw him, and Jesus sees you today, when Jesus saw him lying there and learnt that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, strange question, <laughs> but he said, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I've got no one to help me into the pool. What's he doing? He's playing the victim card. And sometimes when someone isn't well for long enough, sometimes what happens? You can play the victim card. And this guy plays the victim card. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. In other words, it's other people's fault. It's not my fault, it's other people's fault. He's a blaming guy. I'm not well because people won't help me. That's blaming Interesting, Jesus still approaches him, they still chat. He says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Oh, poor me, I missed out. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. At once he was cured. He picked up his mat. And he walked. This is a fascinating miracle because what happens in this encounter that this guy has with Jesus is he's been, he's been like this for 38 years. And what happens when you've been sick for a few months or a few years? Sometimes you just, you just want to get well, but after a while what happens is patterns and thinking, ways of thinking and 
bad habits and all kinds of stuff can happen in our life, especially for this guy. For 38 years, there's been this wound that he's, there's, there's been, and some, you know, it's not a wound for him, but some of us here today, there could be some wounds in your soul. There could be some things that have happened in your life and there could be some things that in your life that need to be healed. And maybe today Jesus is coming to you. Maybe Jesus is approaching you and he's asking you the question, do you want to get well? You see, there's so many aspects of healing because Jesus, he doesn't just heal physically. He heals emotions. He heals the mind. He heals the body. He heals the spirit. He heals the soul. Jesus is interested in every facet of our being. Why wouldn't he not, you know, why wouldn't he be not, not, not interested in every part of our being? Because he's the one who said, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and all your mind. See, Jesus is interested in every part of our being. And maybe today Jesus is coming to you and saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And he's waiting for us to say, yes, Lord, I want to be well. Or it might be that some of us have said, well, it's that person's fault or it's someone else's problem or because of some... Hey, Jesus is so gracious to this guy and he's gracious to us. And maybe Jesus is coming and asking us, do you want to be well? You know, there, in this healing, there are two things. There are the, in these two healings, there are some things that are really in common. And I just want to share them very briefly with you. Even though one guy's rich and one guy's poor, even though one asked for healing and even though Jesus went to the other guy for healing, there's a few things in common. The first thing in common is that both of the men were near the water. One man, Capernaum near the water, near the sea. The other guy in Jerusalem, hanging out at the swimming pool. Interesting. Don't know what to make of that, but both men were near the water. Both men were healed immediately. Uh, as soon as Jesus said so, one at 1 p.m. in the morning, the other at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, yeah, 1 p.m. in the morning. There's such a thing. No, one was healed at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. The other guy was healed immediately as soon as Jesus said so. And in both healings, Jesus issued a command to obey, and it happened. Jesus said, go, and your son will live, to the royal official. The royal official got, he went, and the boy was healed. In the story of the other guy, he picked up his mat, get up, pick up your mat and walk. So I want to just explore for a moment, how does Jesus heal today? How does God heal people today? I said earlier, God has given us bodies, we need sleep, we need rest. God has also provided, you know, um, doctors, nurses. Did you realize that, uh, this is fascinating, that because of Christianity, that Christians cared for the weak and the vulnerable and the, and the, and the babies that people would just put out um, in the cities back then, 2,000 years ago, people would say, you know, I, I don't want this baby. They just put it out because they couldn't afford it. So they put the baby out and the Christians would come and look after it. And, and, and out of that, orphanages were born. And ca caring for the sick was such a big part of Christian ministry that out of that, hospitals were born. There's so much that happens that's in our society right now, birthed because of Jesus. So much of the good things that we enjoy in our society. Democracy, I mean, that's another thing. There's so many things that you can look to Jesus as the foundations for our very society. It's fascinating. That's a whole other topic altogether. 
But it's interesting that Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus endorsed the ministry of doctors when he said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But what happens if, the other thing that Jesus has given to us, that God's given for healing today, is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is our capacity to be able to speak to God, the creator of the universe, the author of life, and to approach him and say, God, could you please heal? Well, what happens if after trying all these things, people aren't well? Well, here's what James says. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He knows Jesus. He knows how he works. And James said this, the person who is sick ought to seek the prayers of others and should seek prayer. This passage isn't on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It's James chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. He says this, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will make the sick well, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, that's interesting because earlier I talked about, well, some people say you're not healed because there could be some evil or sin in your life. There are actually some people in the Bible, the book of Corinthians has got it, where some people were actually sick because they were treating communion without respect. There are others who were sick because of sin. But here's the thing, just because someone is sick or not healed, it's not, none of us has the right to say, oh, it's because you're a sin. You know, we, God knows, only God knows. I want to share a story. In November last year, uh, there was a woman in our church who had been suffering undiagnosed pain for more than three years. Uh, her doctor recommended surgery, but before surgery, recommended trying some medication even though he recommended the he recommended the medication the medication didn't work recommended surgery and so but but with no guarantees that that she would be well even after the surgery she sought god and she prayed and god taught her to trust him to trust him to trust in the power of jesus and uh, there was a particular passage that she felt that she needed to trust in, that God was leading her to. And that's a passage in Isaiah where it says in Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. It's referring to Jesus on the cross and what, all that he endured, that in the power of the cross, the power of Jesus' death, uh, that by his stripes, by all that Jesus went through, we can be healed. She trusted God's word and what she did in response to this word, she prayed, she fasted and she did something that we would find maybe unusual but I think it's a good practice. She thanked God in advance for the healing that she, would, she was trusting God for. And so at the end of November, she had suffered, by the end of November, a month of constant bleeding. Horrible. And then she went, uh, and then at that point, she, she asked myself to, and a couple of our elders to pray for her. And so we prayed with her. We prayed for her. We anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord, as it says in James. And we prayed a prayer for her to be healed. And within the next two weeks, the bleeding stopped. 
it was within the next few days the bleeding stopped but within the next two weeks um, the pain that she had experienced for three years that was undiagnosed as to the cause of the pain that pain just went then she went to see her surgeon and the surgeon said you don't need surgery that's the power of Jesus the power of Jesus to heal And I say that story because I pray that that might be something that builds your faith to recognise that God is alive and he has the power to heal. And there are some of you maybe here today or some of you watching online and I want to invite you to trust Jesus. I'm not saying he'll say yes, but I do know this, Jesus has your best interests at heart. And like in the video that we saw earlier of the alpha story of that guy who'd been on kidney dialysis for 25 years who hasn't been healed he recognizes something far greater that the greatest gift god has given him is eternal life and if he gets healed that's a bonus that's a bonus and i know that in this room today there are some of you who have got constant pain and constant stuff going on let's remember that story but who knows maybe if we put into practice James 5 who knows what healing could await you let me pray as we lead into a time of communion where we remember Jesus it's by his stripes we are healed will you pray with me before we share in communion Before I pray, this woman who was healed in the life of our church recently, she wrote these words, How amazing is Jesus? To him, all honour and praise. He is worthy. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you uh, for your power, for who you are, that you transform lives, that you bring about change. We thank you, Jesus, that on the cross... You carried our sin, you carried our burdens. Thank you that by your stripes, by your whipping and flogging and crucifixion, that's through you that we find healing. It's in your death and in your resurrection that there is hope and there is transformation. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for all you've done and for all you are doing and for all you will do. Lord, in this moment, as we share in communion, as we remember the very centre of our faith is you, Jesus, your death for our sake and your resurrection, that you are alive and one day you will, you will share this meal with us. We thank you for your body given and we thank you for your blood that was shed. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so we thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. And we remember you in this moment. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.